Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Welcome back to a new series of At The Margin. This episode is a bit earlier than expected. After a great conversation with James Coffey on corporation tax in Ireland, I wanted to share with you as soon as possible, so you're getting it a bit earlier than usual. We'll be back to our usual Tuesday release slot in due course. So Seamus is an economics lecturer at University College Cork and is a former chair of Ireland's Fiscal Advisory Council. He's also the go-to person when it comes to discussing Ireland's corporate tax rate having published an independent review for the government in 2017. If you're like me, you'll probably have kept one ear tuned to the ongoing debate surrounding Irish corporation tax, but probably don't have the foundation to give a well-informed take on the matter. Hopefully this conversation will fill in the gaps. We discuss the basics surrounding corporation tax, how Irish tax rates interact with US tax policy, and how this may change with proposals put forward by the OECD and the US. Quick reminder... Uh, this is uh, a passion project, a loss-making exercise. If you want to throw some pennies in the tip jar to keep the wolf from the door, patreon.com forward slash at the margin. Okay, enjoy. So maybe we'll just kick off if you could tell us a bit about um, why exactly uh, it's important important to consider corporation tax rate and how it might affect firms' behaviour. Yeah, I suppose like uh, as a starting point, like what is the, the corporation tax um, it, it is something that has sort of evolved over the last uh, hundred plus years of, of income taxes. The Irish system um, developed pre-independence uh, with the UK income tax system, and primarily there just was an income tax that applied to to, to persons and to, to to companies in much the same way. And over time, they have split, uh, and now we have the, the corporation tax, the corporate income tax. Uh, a tax uh, on the profits of companies. Now, there are lots of complications in how you go about applying that. Uh, but essentially, at its, its its fundamental point, it is a, a tax uh, on the profits of companies. How does it influence decisions? I suppose it is a factor uh, that companies, that certain companies at least, um, will include in their decision-making process. Like for domestic companies, 
for companies that, that don't trade across borders, it's not a huge issue. Uh, if you're limited to one country, you're faced with the corporation tax system of that one country. Um, maybe where it becomes more important is when country companies trade across borders. And maybe there's a choice about to locate certain functions or activities um, in different countries. Now, there will be a wide range of factors included, um, most particularly whether that jurisdiction can actually carry out the activities or, or functions the company is looking to do. So like if tax was the only issue, um, all yeah. the companies would be in Bermuda. Bermuda yeah. doesn't have an income tax. Um, so clearly it is not the only issue, but it is a issue. Um, and when it comes to certain mobile um, activities, uh, companies can seek to locate them um, in lower tax jurisdictions. And also companies will perhaps seek to take advantage of uh, provisions in their own domestic tax law. So they might be a German or a US company um, and there might be features of the German or US tax law that makes it less or more favourable to have certain activities in other jurisdictions. Um, so tax is a corporate tax is a tax on profits. It does feed into the decisions, but it's not that the sole driver of those. Yeah, I think that's um, that's yes, yeah, important point. And I think something that maybe we'll come back to later in that um, it's one of many range of factors that that, that businesses take into account when they're when they're talking about uh, how, how, where to locate their business. But um, going back to maybe just the actual tax rate and taxes in Ireland, and we're all familiar with um, Ireland's twelve and a half percent tax rate, and perhaps that it's slightly less than in other jurisdictions but then we have all, all these other issues of um we hear about all these sort of phrases that have been becoming in, in the media like double irish and single malt and all these sort of things uh is there maybe you could just tell us a bit about ireland's tax rates i don't know if you know anything about how it came about the 12 and a half percent and then maybe how maybe they use maybe firms might are creative with how they um how, how they use that in conjunction with maybe tax rates in, in other jurisdictions yeah so the the 12 and a half percent it's actually a fairly recent um, element of, of the Irish tax landscape. Formerly, like, it's only in place uh, since 2003. Uh, now, it was agreed back in the mid-1990s that the Irish corporation tax rate would move to 12.5%. Um, the Irish corporate tax regime has um, been revised a number of times uh, over the last couple of decades, particularly in relation to the incentives uh, for attracting foreign investment. And you can go all the way back to the late 50s uh, for the emergence of that, uh, when Ireland introduced what was called the Export Profits uh, Sales Relief, um, which was, to all intents and purposes, no tax on the the profits uh, from export sales. But when it was originally introduced in the early or the mid-1950s, it only applied to Irish companies. Um, We had some of the the relics of the economic war, uh, a thing called the Control and Manufacturers Act, which tried to limit uh, businesses operating in Ireland to, to be Irish-owned businesses. Now, there was many exceptions and licences granted, but it was still in place in the 1950s. So actually, when we started with uh, opening up the economy, it was trying to drive domestic companies to engage in the exports. But quickly, that changed, and the export profit sales relief became general for all companies, both Irish-owned and foreign-owned, and was essentially zero tax mm. on export sales. Uh, we joined the EU in the 1970s, and the EU, of course, has a kind of a level playing field idea when it comes to things like state aid. Um, and they looked at our uh, tax relief on export sales and said, you can have two companies doing the same thing. 
Uh, but one company sells to a customer in Ireland and one sells to a customer in the UK. Uh, the, the person making the product and selling it to the person in the UK pays no tax. It's 100% relief. Uh, whereas the person selling the product to someone in Ireland pays the, the full corporation tax in Ireland, which at the time could have been north of 40%. Um, so they said that that, that dual system couldn't continue. Um, so from 1980, uh, the, the export sales relief was abolished and we moved to a manufacturing relief. If, no matter where you sold it, you got a 10% rate of, of corporate tax. Uh, and that applied to all uh, manufacturing, regardless of where your customers were. Now, there was fairly generous views on what manufacturing was, and um, mm. so it did broadly apply. So we had sort of a 10% special rate for manufacturing, subsequently extended to the IFSC, and in around a 40% rate for everybody else. Uh, and again, in the 1990s, the EU looked at this dual structure, and said, that doesn't seem fair. You have people in one sector with a 10% rate, people in another sector with a 40% rate, can't have two rates of corporation tax, you should only have one. So in the mid-1990s, Ireland had to move to a single rate. And of course, from an Irish perspective, if you have two rates of corporation tax at one of 40% and one of 10%, the average is 12 and a half. And then over the, the period from the late 1990s to 2003, the rates converged and we got that 12 and a half percent rate. And that's where it has been ever since. Uh, and that is the headline, as you say, the statutory, the, the legal rate. Um, and it, it has become a bit of a, a calling card. Uh, it's not necessarily to say that the rate is right, um, but it has become a bit of a, a sort of a, a flag of certainty that Ireland won't change it. Yeah. So that's our headline rate, and that's basically on paper what uh, is, is the rate of corporation tax. Um, and then we hear stories about companies taking advantage of other arrangements elsewhere and multinational companies. Uh, how exactly does this play out or, or, or is it quite prevalent? Um, well, a lot of it is about presentation. Um, so almost all the protagonists or even the antagonists, let me say in this case, tend to be US companies. Uh, Ireland ended up being, for one reason or another, it, it, I'm not quite sure you can say that it was by design to be a- attractive to US companies uh, and particularly the international headquarters of U.S. companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so many of the ICT companies have set up their international operations via Dublin. And they do tend to get uh, a significant amount of attention. They're high-profile uh, consumer companies with significant brand names, and they do attract a lot of attention. And you do hear frequent um, references to, to these companies paying less than, than 12.5% tax. Um, but by and large, this is a misrepresentation. Uh, the 12.5% is the Irish tax rate. Uh, the 12.5% rate can only apply to profits earned in Ireland. Uh, so you can have huge companies such as Google, uh, Apple, Facebook, all of which have significant operations in Ireland, all of which are hugely profitable. Uh, but the only tax to which the 12.5% rate can apply uh, is the profit they earn in Ireland from their activities that they undertake in Ireland. Um, and while you can take that the global profits of these companies and there are significant issues with the US system, in how that deals with these profits uh, to get very low effective tax rates. That's essentially okay. misapplying um, profits that are earned outside of Ireland uh, and saying that they should pay 12.5% tax on those. Like Ireland is a, a small country. We are a significant part of the operations of these companies, but we're not the source of their global profits. Right. Okay. Okay. So there's a bit of confounding of, of different effects here. So basically, the 12.5% is paid on, on Irish profits. And then they have activities elsewhere and they're subject to different rules, I presume. And then that's where maybe it might, in aggregate, 
there might be less a, a lower overall percentage. Oh, well, in all right, like if you look at these companies as a whole, yeah. um, if you were to look at the likes of Google, Facebook, um, Apple, etc., like they pay huge amounts of tax. Uh, like over the last ten years, Apple has paid over a hundred billion dollars in tax. Uh, Microsoft close on sixty billion dollars in tax. Google close on forty billion dollars tax. Like these are huge tax payments. Now these are huge companies yeah. uh, with huge profits to boot. Uh, but you're looking at, at very significant tax rates. They're not in the low single digits uh, that are sometimes claimed. Uh, now, the issue with that may, we might see with these tax payments is that most of these are made to the US. Yeah. Um, and this isn't a surprise. These are US companies. Most of the activities that drive their profits uh, take place in the US. Like, so why is Apple uh, a profitable company? Uh, Apple doesn't make money from selling phones. There's no money in that. Um Phone retailers and consumer electronics companies go bust on a regular basis. Uh, selling phones isn't a profitable activity. Designing and branding a phone that people want to buy, now that's where the money is. Uh, if you can get something that costs $200 to make and you can sell it for $600, well, there's no fancy shop going to allow you to do that. Yeah. Uh, what it is is the innovation, the design, the brand recognition, the consumer loyalty uh, that Apple have built up and by and large has been built up by activities in the US. Uh, so most of those profits are subject to tax in the US and hence most of the tax is paid in the US. Now, the US tax system is a mess. I'm not quite sure right. it's getting any better o- over the next while. Yeah. Um, and one thing that, that is key to sort of the tax outcomes of these companies is that the US system does allow companies to split their profits into domestic US profit and then offshore or foreign profit. Uh, and now, while the U.S. should be taxing that foreign profit, uh, up to recently, it had a terrible record uh, at collecting that money, at collecting that tax that, uh, from a, a sort of a, a tax principles perspective, would be due to the U.S. The U.S. had this system of repatriation. Mm. Uh, so you, you didn't pay the tax to the U.S. until you brought the money back. Um, uh, and it was a case of no other country sort of had the right to tax this money. It was sort of sitting out there, just waiting for somebody to grab. Uh, and of course, uh, one of the most famous instances of that was the Apple state aid case, hmm. uh, where the European Commission saw this huge sum of apparently untaxed Apple profits uh, and said that Ireland should be taxing those. Um, now, there was very little to support that from a tax principles perspective. Now, actually, the, the legal case that the Commission made was surprisingly strong, but then it was thoroughly rebutted um, by the, the Court of Justice of the European Union uh, and the arguments of the European Commission were given a, a unexpected fillity. And really, I'd be surprised if the appeal that the European Commission have submitted um, will ha- have much of an impact, just given the nature of the rebuttal uh, the court gave. Um, but these were substantial profits of Apple that appeared to be untaxed. The, the, like they were, the US wasn't collecting the money. They had this deferral system and almost all of the tax strategies uh, that you refer to things like the, the, the double irish they all only apply to u.s companies you never hear of a german company using the double irish the right. german system doesn't allow it like we talk about companies responding to provisions in their domestic tax code what the double irish is is essentially companies trying in the u.s tax code using a thing called the same country exemption uh, and that's why we get uh, double it's about moving money between two companies um, and as long as those two companies are in the same country, the U.S. doesn't collect the money until the, the, the profit is repatriated, or at least under the old system, 
until the profit was repatriated back to the uh, the US. So Double Irish is two companies. Hmm. Uh, and what you have is a trading company, uh, say based out of Dublin, doing the selling, engaging with the customers, collecting revenue, signing contracts, and doing stuff that, that businesses do uh, to generate their revenue. And then you have a holding company that has the license, that owns the technology. Like I'd love to be able to sell advertising on the Google platform. It would uh, generate huge profits for me. So that the company in Dublin doing all that selling has to pay for the right um, to use that technology. Now, the US system allowed that license to leak out and leak out very cheaply. Um, and Google put that license in Bermuda. Um, so the company doing all the selling in Dublin had to pay the, the company with the license in Bermuda. But crucially, the company that was in Bermuda was Irish registered. So right. the trading company was Irish registered and the holding company was Irish registered. And under the same country exemption in the U.S. tax code, the U.S. viewed both of those companies as being in Ireland okay, because they were both registered in Ireland. And that meant that the U.S. tax that was due, that the payment wasn't triggered. Right, they said, yeah, right. you can defer the payment of the U.S. tax. And you, you don't have to pay that until you bring the money back into the U.S., formally back in. And, of course, the companies didn't bring the money back in. They had all sorts of schemes where they could keep the money offshore um, and get it back to shareholders without paying the U.S. tax that was due. Uh, so the Double Irish is those two companies, that yeah. trading company in Dublin, that holding company in Bermuda, that's the double part, the two. Um, Irish is sort of irrelevant. It, it, it could be any country. Yeah. As long as they're registered in the same country, it holds. Uh, you won't see German companies doing it because the German tax law doesn't have the same country exemption, nor does it have this notion of deferral. Yeah. Uh, which has now been abolished in the U.S. tax system. Um, so then what does that mean for the 12.5% rate? Well, you could look at the trading company, the staff, the operations, the activities in Dublin. That company pays 12.5%. Mm. Why wouldn't it? It's trading and operating here. But then you get the accounts of the company that's in Bermuda and you see huge profits and no tax. Yeah. Why is there no tax? Well, there's no tax in Bermuda. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't matter what your profit is. Um People say, well, that company's not paying, why isn't that company paying 12.5%? Ireland says the headline rate is 12.5%. Here is a company paying no tax. Ireland is offering special tax deals uh, to multinationals to have huge profits and not pay any tax. Um, well, if the company was in Ireland, uh, it would pay the 12.5%, but it's in Bermuda. Um, and on a tax principles basis, that profit clearly shouldn't be in Bermuda. Hmm. Right? There's no substance there. There's nothing happening down there that generates all that profit. Uh, where should the profit be? It should be in the U.S., um, uh, Google's headquarters Mountain View, California yeah. uh, that's where the profit should be the OECD principles, transfer pricing principles uh, and a general approach would suggest that's where the profit would be now the tax system could change and people might say oh shouldn't the tax be paid where the customers are um, like does, does it matter where the person that buys the phone is um, and that's not the way corporate taxes work uh, corporate taxes at present are done on the basis of where the activities that generate the profits are located, not where the customers are located. Okay, so okay, so it's essentially leaky rules, US rules, that allow for this sort of situation to play out. Yeah, and the US has been chasing itself for a while. So like, what the US has is a system called cost-sharing agreements, where the, the R&D cost is split between two entities. So there's one entity will use the domestic US market, and it will pay a share of the R&D 
based on the domestic entity market. And then there's another entity will cost share and pay the R&D for the international market. So you can look at these companies and you might see that in the case of Google, Google Inc., the parent, will cover 40% of Google's research and development costs. And then this holding company in Bermuda, where nothing happens, will cover 60% of the cost of the R&D. It will get all the money from Dublin and it will contribute 60% of the R&D cost. Um, and it gets, gets the license. Uh, but like that license might cost a couple of billion based on what R&D Google does, but it could be worth tens of billions. Like, would Google really let uh, a company outside the US sell advertising on the Google platform uh, for a fraction of the profit? Um, it's not done on the arm's length basis. Uh, and this has been a problem with the US system. It's been leaking profit out. So, for example, if you look at, however you want to term it, we'll call them low tax or no tax jurisdictions. Like what type of companies have profits in Bermuda, in the Cayman Islands, in the Bahamas, in maybe countries the likes of Ireland, the Netherlands, uh, Luxembourg, Singapore, Hong Kong. If you look at uh, data the OECD have published, um, you will see that, that the profit that ends up in these countries is almost all the profit of US companies. Like where is the French profit in Ireland? Where's the UK profit in Ireland even? Like we share a common language, they're only 60 miles across, uh, and yet their companies aren't shifting profits here. Like, why is there tens of billions of profit of US companies in Ireland? Uh, and yet, apparently, very little profit of the UK. Well, why can't we tell them? Uh, what are the IDA doing wrong um, that, that we have this great regime for minimizing our tax bill um, and we can't tell our nearest neighbor? The difference, of course, or the issue, of course, is that it depends on the domestic tax system. The US tax system allows that profit to leak out, and they're being chasing their tail. Um, they haven't, once these cost sharing agreements are in place, they're hard to unwind. Uh, the IRS have taken a number of their big companies to the US tax court, saying that these terms are unfair. And almost every time the IRS have lost, uh, the companies have, have argued that they're in line with the tax law of the US, uh, that allowing these licenses to leak out at these low prices is what the US tax law was designed to do. And even if the IRS disagrees, they can't disagree with the law. Uh, and like the IRS have taken Amazon, they're currently in the case with Facebook. They actually had a bit of a success with Coca-Cola recently, one of the few successes. Almost all of these cases uh, are about the license to use technologies and products uh, developed in the US, um, leaking out and ending up in these no or low tax jurisdictions. And in the last couple of weeks, We've seen that the Biden administration try to address it, um, increasing the, or proposing at least, to increase the, the minimum tax on foreign income of US companies. Uh, like, so the US already has a minimum tax. There's a recognition that companies have all these profits offshore. Um, and the US already has a minimum tax. It has a great acronym. Uh, it is the uh, Global Intangible Low Taxed Income provision of the U.S. tax code. And if you take the G-I-L-T-I, you get guilty. <laughs> and there is no doubt that many of them are guilty. So the guilty yeah. provision was introduced in 2017. When the U.S. got rid of that deferral and said, look, you have to pay the tax immediately. But like back in 2017, the U.S. top tax rate for corporate tax was 35%. Um, and the Trump administration introduced the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Now, it certainly did live up to the, the first part of its name. <laughs> it, gave a huge, it gave a huge tax holiday to the companies that had kept those profits offshore. Like, if they had repatriated those profits when they were earned, 
or if the US had taxed them as they were earned, they'd have been taxed at 35%. Yeah. But the US introduced a tax holiday and said, look, you can bring the money home, but you'd only pay tax at maybe around 15%. So this play, including the double Irish, uh, was a huge payoff for US companies. Uh, they got to keep their profit in Bermuda, avoid the US 35% tax rate, uh, and end up having to only pay 15%, uh, with some of that offset by the profit they would have paid in other countries. Uh, so that deferral regime was abolished in 2017. And with the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, so the headline rate went from 35 to 21. Mm. And even then they said, oh, you don't need to pay 21% on that far, foreign profit. We'll reduce it down to 10 and a half down to half again. Uh, so the US currently does have a minimum tax uh, on foreign income that can end up in these tax havens or low tax jurisdictions. Uh, but that minimum tax rate is 10.5%. Uh, what the Biden administration have proposed is that this be increased to 21%. Yeah. Uh, and that has got significant headlines uh, in recent days. So the Biden administration seems to be like, this proposal is almost like to harmonise a higher minimum tax take. But this isn't the first time we've sort of heard uh, voices like this. So, for example, I think there's ongoing work at the OECD level to try and have harmonised taxes at an international level. Um, maybe you could just tell us a bit about that and what, like, what sort of level that was at. My interpretation is that harmonised corporation tax across all jurisdictions was, was, was in the works and Ireland had a say in how this was going to play out. Whereas now it seems that, well, Biden is bringing in a system where we, we're not really... Don't, don't have a seat at the table. Um, yeah, so I suppose you, you sort of have two um, processes ongoing there. One, the, the changes in, in domestic US law. Mm. Um, and again, all we have at the moment are fairly scant proposals uh, from uh, the new administration. Um, the, the president gets to sign tax law in the US, but Congress has to pass it. Yeah. So I think there's a long way to go uh, before anything gets onto the resolute desk for, for signature by President Biden. The OECD process has been ongoing for a number of years. Uh, like tax systems should always be changing. They, should, they shouldn't be static. Uh, they should be sort of keeping up with uh, changes that happen in the economy. Economies are, are, are ever-changing things. So our tax system needs to be ever-changing. But I think when it comes to corporation tax, that that system, particularly taxing profits between countries, uh, did fall a bit behind um, and th there was gaps that had emerged that didn't need to be closed. Uh, and in 2012-2013, the OECD uh, were tasked by the G7 uh, to look at uh, the, the taxation of, of sort of profit across boundaries and came up with this sort of BEPS project, base erosion, profit shifting. Uh, were countries losing out in their tax base uh, because companies were shifting profits to, to low tax jurisdictions. Uh, and this has been going on for the last seven or eight years. We're now into the second round of it, the BEPS Mark II. Um, the BEPS Project Mark I was sort of the four or five years uh, up to 2017, 2018. What was the principle of it? Well, the principle of the first round of BEPS, at least, was to align profit with substance. Um, that companies should declare their profit in the location or jurisdiction where they have substance. Uh, that you actually shouldn't be declaring profit uh, on Caribbean islands with little more than sandy beaches. Because what are you doing down there? Yeah. You cannot be earning profit down there because you have no activities. <clears throat> so the, the, the first round of, of the BEPS um, project was really about that. And they had an action plan with 15 points and some of them have been introduced. It's actually so recent that not, not all of them have been introduced. And actually what we've seen is that countries like Ireland have been a huge winner 
uh, from BEPS Mark 1. So the objective was to align profit with substance. Uh, and we actually are one of the countries where these companies have substance, mm. whether it's manufacturing companies and pharmaceuticals, computer chips, medical devices, uh, and also the ICT companies. So what we've seen in Ireland has been a surge in corporate tax revenue. Like, why has that happened? Well, one reason is because of the BEPS process um, that has uh, made companies have a better alignment uh, of their profit and their substance. And U.S. companies have key parts of their substance in Ireland, uh, and they are now paying more tax in Ireland. Recent figures from the IRS show that if you look at U.S. multinationals, the third highest recipient of corporate tax payments from U.S. multinationals is Ireland. Not as a share of GDP, not per capita, third highest in total. Yeah. Uh, they obviously pay most of their tax to the UK, US, that's the, the, their domestic and, and headquarters. Their, their next largest payments are to the UK, and after that then is Ireland. It's extraordinary that they're paying so much tax in Ireland. Um, and one, there are many reasons for it, but one reason has been the OECD's BEPS process. So I think when countries in the G7 looked at the OECD BEPS processes, that's not quite what we wanted. Um, <laughs> maybe the intention was to target countries like Ireland, not benefit them. So now we're in BEPS round two. Like the, the, the first round has barely bedded in. Um, and now we're on to, to BEPS round two. And, th and this has made up of, of two components. Uh, they're described as two pillars. Uh, and the first pillar is sort of the digital economy. Um, it's about reallocating taxing rights to market countries. So in the main and corporation tax, location of customers doesn't matter. If you write a book, you don't owe tax on the basis of where the person that bought and read the book was. Uh, you owe tax on the basis of where you are. Where did you write mm. it? Where did you uh, develop it? And same with a car. Uh, oh, that, that's the principle. The customers don't matter. But when it comes to technology companies, maybe that's not quite true. Because, of course, a key asset uh, of the technology companies are the users, your eyeballs. What ads are you looking at? What data do they have on your location? What data do they have in your search history? What data do they have in your contacts? This is what drives their profitability. They're targeting their ads at you based on your location, your history, your contacts, and all that. So that is a key asset of these companies. It's, it's the factories of the 1920s. Uh, it, the, the data of the 2020s is now uh, a key driver of profit. So when it comes to taxing companies, particularly in the digital sphere, there is a strong argument to be made, and I agree with it, that more tax should be paid where the customers are because actually the customer is the asset. Uh, we mightn't like that, but for the likes of Google and Facebook and all these companies, like we are a key asset for them. So the, the, the current round of the BEPS process is about reallocating uh, some of the taxing rights to the market countries, to where the eyeballs are um, in sort of some of the vernacular that's used. Uh, and that process is ongoing. And then the second part uh, of the, the BEPS Mark II, the pillar two, the second pillar, is a minimum tax rate. Uh, should there be a global minimum tax uh, on companies? Uh, and there does seem to be agreement that there should be, but what will be very important from an Irish perspective uh, is how such a minimum tax is implemented, both the rate uh, and then how it's calculated. Yeah, um, that was actually a really good explanation because I've been trying to read up on BEPS and there's so much jargon. I find it very hard to, to, to understand what, what was going on. Um, so as it's clarified it for me anyway. So if you move either, be it 
from the OECD proposal or from the Biden proposal? And how does this affect the firm's incentives? And like my own way to look at this is I try to do sort of reveal preference. What have they done that reveals where the value is to them? And as you said already, if it was just corporation tax, it'd all be in the Bahamas or somewhere. Um, but obviously there's some other value to be located in Ireland. And if we have all our technical companies in Ireland at the moment, the tax rate changes and it's a minimum rate, well then the only alternative I can see is maybe going back to the US. So it comes down to the fact, well, what is the relative value of this tax rate versus the other value that, that they derive from being in Ireland? Yeah, so, so I think like there's no doubt that the thing, like changes, changes should happen, whether they'll be the, the current changes set out by the Biden administration or whatever agreement is reached uh, at the OECD level remains to be seen. And then what impact would they have uh, on Ireland, like, I, I think a, a crucial element in the current proposals from the Biden administration on their minimum tax is to do it on a country-by-country country basis. Right. So remember, the US already has a minimum tax, um, this guilty provision, but it's done on a global basis mm. so that companies have to top up their tax payment to the US on a globally. So what it means is if they have um, profit earned, say, in a jurisdiction like Germany at 30% plus, and profit earned uh, in a low tax jurisdiction like Ireland, they can blend the two together. Um, so actually, they might end up paying uh, much additional tax uh, that even though they might have low tax profits in Ireland, uh, because they have higher tax profits in Germany, on average, uh, they may be paying uh, sufficient tax for the current US regime. Um, and even when the minimum tax kicks in in the US, not be due to pay much additional tax. What the Biden administration have suggested is that one doubling the rate in the minimum tax, going from 10.5 to 21, and two, doing it on a country-by-country basis. Uh, and that is crucial from Ireland. Uh, so no longer would companies be able to blend. And right. um, if they had low tax profits in Ireland, they would have to bring that the, the tax on those profits up to 21%. Um, now, it doesn't eliminate the attractiveness of Ireland. Um, if the minimum tax is uh, 21%, uh, why would they still locate activities in Germany uh, and pay 33% to be above the US minimum? Um, so Ireland would still be relatively attractive, but the, the degree of that attraction uh, would have been reduced, yeah. um, but it wouldn't have been eliminated. Um, and then in terms of the, the sort of broader measures, like one crucial thing, again, for Ireland is like BEPS Mark 1, we have the companies here. Mm. Uh, like are the ICT companies likely to head off out around the world, scattering their headquarters into various different cities. Um, Ireland and Dublin has the advantage that they're here now. Um, would they be able to coordinate? Like that, There are benefits, synergies in these companies having uh, been co-located. They're all co-located over in the, the west coast of America and they tend to be co-located in the east coast of Ireland. Um, are they going to scatter? Unlikely. They're close. They can... Um, bid for staff off each other, there, there's uh, gains to be made from having been close together. And we see other companies moving to Ireland, uh, companies such as Skype, albeit a, a company with Irish, Irish founders, yeah. uh, announcing that they're moving their international headquarters or at least establishing their international headquarters uh, and doing so in Dublin. Um, or Stripe. Again, there, part, yeah, yeah, yeah Stripe. Part of the reason <laughs> they do that is because uh, the other large ICT companies have their headquarters here. So I think we have an advantage mm. Um that at least in the medium term, we're not likely to see a, a huge shock. Yeah. Um, if the, the, the Biden proposals, if they were implemented as is, 
if the OECD was to uh, get, get agreement on digital taxes and a minimum tax base, uh, you're not likely to see the Irish economy go over a cliff in 2022 because of it. Now, over the medium term, it might have an impact. These changes can happen, but maybe over a much longer period. But one, but one other thing I think about, so like these are American companies and they have to abide by American rules. Can they not just become Irish companies? Or is this, this sounds like a very basic question to ask. And some of them have. Um, right. It has been a thing that U.S. companies uh, have found, or in their view anyway, have found that the U.S. rules be too restrictive mm-hmm. uh, and have re-headquartered and didn't just have their international headquarters in Ireland, have their overall headquarters in Ireland. Uh, it became a, a process known as inversions, yeah. um, where, where two companies, um, where a bigger U.S. company would buy a smaller Irish company and would flip into it. Uh, and come out the far side and say it's an Irish company. Uh, and we've seen pharmaceutical companies doing it. We've seen, seen other companies do it, not just in Ireland, in other countries. Um, the, the Obama administration introduced rules to try and limit it, that they, like companies in Ireland are going to be small. Um, if a US company is going to be buying an Irish company, it's going to be much bigger. Mm. Um, so what the Obama administration did was put in size limits, uh, that if you're going to do this restriction or going to do this inversion, uh, the, the the company you're inverting into must be 20 or 30 or 40% the size uh, of the US company. Um, now, it hasn't made it impossible to do, yeah. um, but it has restricted it. And the Trump change, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, did, uh, at least from a company perspective, uh, have benefits that had reduced taxes in the US. Um, so inversions are probably off the agenda at the moment. Right. But if... The, the Biden proposals were to go through. If the tax was to go up to 28%, the headline rate, if the minimum tax on foreign income was to go to 21 um, if the other provisions that the, the US regime are, are looking at, um, one thing being the, the, the foreign-derived intangible income uh, provision. So Google no longer has its license for to sell on its international markets in Bermuda. It's moved it back to California. Um, there's no longer billions of uh, euro flowing from Ireland to Bermuda. It's now flowing back to the US, and that's where it should be. Um, But Google moved it back because of this uh, foreign-derived intangible income provision introduced in 2017. Uh, And the Biden administration have uh, promised to try and remove that. Uh, This foreign-derived intangible income provision is a tax rate of about 17.5%. Again, even lower than the 21% uh, that's there. And because of that, companies like Google and Facebook uh, Facebook had their IP in the Cayman Islands. Mm. They've taken it back to the US. Google have taken their IP back to um, Bermuda. So uh, the flows we saw with the double Irish uh, of huge monies going to those uh, no-tax jurisdictions, they've stopped. Um, but they're still leaving Ireland. Uh, but now they're going to the US. Um, but, but what would happen if the Biden proposals were passed uh, and the provisions that made it that, that attractive were removed? We simply don't know. Yeah. To come back just to the idea of, of corporate tax in general and like tax, taxation sort of creates a deadweight loss. In general, though, like is there an argument against corporation tax or is it something that maybe perhaps, you know, the least worst way to, to, to collect revenues or one of the least worst ways? Um, yeah. So there are some arguments that would say uh, a corporate tax isn't uh, what you might call a very efficient way to, to collect tax revenue. But there are also very strong arguments in favour of it Yeah. Um, in, in both directions. A, a number of years ago, the OECD had a, a, a hierarchy of taxes, uh, like what are the most efficient ways for, for governments to raise tax revenue. 
um, and, and it was like a pyramid and it had the, uh, the widest bit that the bit you should be using the most and narrowing up to the top uh, with the taxes you should be using the least uh, and at the base of the pyramid were property taxes uh, particularly taxes on immovable property um, because of course it's immovable you can't change your decision yeah. uh, people need houses and other types of property land is immovable and taxes on those don't change decisions and at the top of our pyramid mm. at a very narrow bit at the top they had corporation tax that yes you can have it but it shouldn't be a large source right. tax revenue. the OECD I think uh, uh, over time have moved away from that hierarchy and don't include it in their um, publications anymore but you can still find it uh, like what are the arguments against the corporation tax that yes it does have this disincentive effect um, but that can be quite limited mm. Um is somebody going to um, decide not to invest in a profitable opportunity uh, because some of that profit will be paid over in tax? Uh, yeah. At the margin, no, unless it's a it's a, a very low profit activity. Um, it's not going to have a significant effect. Um, and for the large companies we're talking about, yeah, um, they are hugely profitable. They're not going to stop their activities because of the corporation tax. I think a lot of the theory comes down to a situation where you have a competitive market and... It has an it has a direct effect. Whereas you're, we're talking about companies earning huge profits in this situation, so we're in the mm-hmm. world of imperfect competition, which is very different to what a lot of textbooks might deal with. Oh yeah, like the, like the markets we're talking about are a long way from from perfect competition. <laughs> uh, there's no way in perfect competition you could take a a set of components worth two hundred dollars, uh, get them assembled in China, and sell them for six hundred dollars. Yeah, that clearly isn't a competitive market. Absolutely. Yeah, and interesting. You mentioned there uh, property tax and corporation tax, two prominent things that in an Irish context. And I know you sort of did a review of, say, um, corporate taxes and, and government finances. Maybe we could just touch on that then before we wrap up. Um, and essentially, one topic that will be interesting to discuss is uh, from an Irish, you know. But balance sheet point of view, how sustainable is our current share of revenues coming from corporation tax and how how is this going into the future? How do you see it going mm. into the future? Yeah, so like so, so when Ireland set out in this sort of pact in the 1960s uh, of attracting investment from abroad, it was two things we wanted. We wanted the investment, build factories here, and two, we wanted jobs, put people into those factories to work. Uh, the system wasn't really designed to collect corporate tax revenue. Yeah. And if you go back to where it came from, uh, the export profit sales relief, the tax was zero. Like we didn't want uh, corporation tax. Now, over the preceding 40 years, the rate has increased. Like all we've ever done with the tax rate in these companies has increased. We've gone from naught to 10 to 12 and a half um, in, in line with the, the findings and recommendations of, of the EU. But the, the system was still about attracting the investment and the employment not necessarily the tax revenue. I, I think the changes in the tax revenue we see in Ireland have been driven by external factors. Our tax rate hasn't changed. It's still 12.5%. And by and large, our rules haven't changed. There has been some modifications, but you could argue that many of those have been disadvantageous to companies, uh, limiting companies' ability to uh, exploit maybe provisions in the US tax code. But yet we've seen our corporation tax revenue surge. Back in 2013, 2014, we were collecting 4 billion euro per annum. Last year, even in the midst of the ongoing pandemic, Irish corporation tax receipts were 12 billion euro. Uh, So they've trebled Mm. in in seven or eight uh, years and have now become uh, a very, very large source and possibly an unintended source uh, of tax revenue. Like, Like the government wanted to collect tax 
from the presence of these companies here, but maybe do it through income tax, do it through PRSI, do it through uh, VAT, do it through the, the money they were adding to the circular flow in Ireland and just the general tax revenues that governments were collecting. But now we've found ourselves in a position, maybe somewhat unintentionally, that we are collecting huge sums. And as I said, if you look at US multinationals in the IRS data, uh, Ireland is the third largest recipient in the world mm. of taxes from US multinationals. It is extraordinary. Uh, and it's happened in quite a short period of time. And it's not something I think we should be relying on over the medium to long term. Uh, the changes that have been introduced in the last few years have seen that surge. Uh, we don't know what effect changes will have uh, in, over the coming years, but they could see that fall again. Um, but if you, like, if you take the, the 12 billion euro, that's close on two and a half thousand euro per capita. Like for every man, woman, and child in the country, uh, we're collecting two and a half thousand euro uh, in corporation tax. In France, the equivalent figure is around a thousand euro. Yeah. Um, they have a rate three times ours. Yes, they have a very complicated system. Um, but they were looking at Ireland sort of in a green eyed perspective of why are you getting all the investment? Uh, why is Ireland having. Uh, these companies setting up their global headquarters here, uh, and maybe why is Ireland allowing this profit to slip out of the EU, out of the EU's tax net, uh, and not have tax collected in the EU? But now they're looking at Ireland and we're seeing that yes, we have the jobs, yes, we have the investment, and now we have the tax revenue. Um, it looks like we're winning all ends up. Um, so that could be a, a driver for change internationally. They mightn't be able to wedge the international headquarters of those companies out of Dublin, yeah. uh, but they might be able to transfer some of those tax liabilities. Um, so I think over the medium term and the review from a number of years ago did say that, that the receipts were sustainable uh, over the medium term, but actually at a lower level. That review was 2017. I think then we were talking about eight or nine billion. Uh, it's now gone since to, to 12 billion. Yeah. Um, and like, it's a it's a huge check for our interview. We go back to the 70s, 80s, early 90s, uh, when Ireland was benefiting from EU uh, transfers, the, the, the structural funds, the cohesion funds, uh, building the roads around Ireland. Like essentially the US companies are, are writing us checks of an equivalent amount. Um, like the, the IRS data shows that in 2018, US companies paid 8 billion euro, uh, sorry, 8 billion dollars um, of uh, corporate tax in Ireland. That's about 3% of national income. Yeah. Um, I- we, we run a balance of payment surplus. Uh, and the corporate tax that those companies are paying uh, is a very large part of that. Yeah. Just to think, now, I might be putting on your spot here, so if you don't know it off the top of your head, that's fine. But So we're getting this big check, and are we spending that on current expenditure or capital expenditure? Because if it's on current expenditure, that could be more troublesome than if it's on capital expenditure, I'd imagine. Uh, hard to tell, of course. Money is yeah. fungible, so it all goes into the one pot. Um it's definitely not been saved um, even up to the, 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 the pre-pandemic uh, period. Uh, Ireland was running just close to a balanced budget. So even though these huge sums of money were coming in, mm. they were going out either in current or capital spending. Uh, Ireland had reasonably rapid increases in um, government spending um, pre-2020. So I don't think you could say the money was saved. We were increasing capital spending. So maybe that was... Um, having uh, where some of the money was going uh, but it's hard to identify uh, exactly where it would be going yeah of course uh, but definitely not being saved we're increasing capital spending you could say some of it is due to um, the increase in corporation tax but it's not something we should be relying on like the government should be building houses schools hospitals uh, transfer infrastructure all the time yeah uh, not just when we get big checks from US companies yeah absolutely yeah absolutely alright Seamus well that was really enlightening you did I think 
the, made the impossible possible to make uh, talking about tax interesting. So, uh, <laughs> uh, and I learned something definitely. So thanks a million for that. No problem. Thanks for listening and thanks to Seamus. We'll be back in two weeks' time in our usual Tuesday release slot. Talk then. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.